0: Welcome. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM or possibly on one of our wonderful community radio partners throughout the country or maybe even on iTunes or SoundCloud or the internet or soon to be picked up by cable on Mars, Stefan. New announcement. The Martians are picking us up on cable channel 37 billion. Uh, We have a show today that is going to largely talk about um, toxins and business and citizens and climate and jobs and... Well, really, everything as usual. Uh, the point of the show being, of course, to uh, to dig in a little bit more into some of these uh, issues, uh, things you may have heard about in the mainstream media and, and did not get a full airing, or things you may not have heard about at all. Uh, halfway through the show, we're going to be talking to Maggie McDonald, who is the toxic program manager for Environmental Defense. She is going to talk to us about a new report published by Environmental Defense. Now, and this is something sort of that uh, that is actually somewhat atypical. Uh, for environment groups to do, which is actually commissioning their own studies. Uh, in addition, it is actually, uh, a first of its kind study. Uh, and the thing that's really interesting of it, uh, and I'll have to clarify with Maggie whether or not this is, uh, first of its kind in Canada or first of its kind, period. I have a feeling it's in Canada. Um, but something that seems one of those things, Stefan, that we talk about every single week that sort of where it seems obvious, but and yet it's not done that way, mm. which is that the thing that's that's new about this study was that, um, you know, when they test chemicals for safe levels of things, if and when they even do it, uh, they do it under laboratory conditions. Now, in most cases, that sounds like a great thing. Uh, but the trouble is, is that what happens when you sort of have a, an incredibly sterile starting position and then you add a single chemical and nothing else and then you then you test the levels is very different than how people use them mm. for a few reasons one of them is that people don't always follow the instructions in fact most of the time they don't even read the instructions so they're not they're not using them according to the instructions and that's how they're tested uh, also the fact that our indoor air quality is not taken into account the fact that in many cases as we'll, we'll learn more from maggie in a little bit that many of these levels are already at dangerous levels and then when you add these chemicals and combine them they interact and create new chemicals and and really it's a big toxic mess mm. so uh, the good news though is as i always like to do maggie's going to bring us some information she's going to tell us a lot more about the report but also very more importantly you're Uh, She's identifying a problem, or at least environmental defense is identifying a problem and proposing the solutions, which is what I love. So we're going to talk more about that report in a few minutes. But without further ado, uh, first of all, you are also going to let us know a little bit about – what's going on with the cartoon
1: because i know your brother's yes. back dave yes. is back dave's back what's going on we uh we should have it ready in the next week or so should i believe so we yeah. have uh we have a we have a rough draft i think it was sent out yesterday mm-hmm. uh gotta look over that and then any final tweaks that are required and then we should uh, yeah as soon as we as soon as that's got the okay it should be should be out mid next week hopefully awesome so if you if you haven't already seen the cart uh,
0: the cartoons or two-minute animations explaining uh, very basic things that are good sort of entry-level knowledge points for for discussions about dealing with climate change so check that out climate cartoons on the website on that topic though and without any further ado of course we're also joined right now in studio by amanda harvey sanchez who's the media coordinator for toronto 350 welcome to the green majority
2: hi thanks i'm really happy to be here
0: so you are joining us today to talk about the and and i sometimes i get caught up in my alliteration in my head and so i'll say it wrong because i want (laughs) to say a third j but it's jobs justice and climate yeah rally july 5th uh, would you please uh, just first of all let's uh, just tell us about a bit about your background and then we're gonna get into what actually what actually is going on on the fifth
2: yeah so like you said my name is Amanda and I volunteer with Toronto 350 I'm their media coordinator I've also been involved with the U of T fossil fuel divestment campaign uh, so yeah those those two um, campaigns and organizations are, are where I'm working right now
0: mm-hmm. and you're a student here at U of T right now yes
2: I'm a student here at U of T
0: so um, let's talk a little bit about um, what's going on. So. On this program, and, and none of our listeners will be uh, surprised uh, in the slightest to to you know to learn that there are many correlation, obviously, between uh, uh, jobs and the economy and employment uh, and climate change. Um, but we're not used to hearing them sort of rolled into one. And I and I think as far as an event, but I think sort of part of that was that you know you get to a certain scale where, and we've talked about this on the on the program before, um, where it's sort of you know even talking about dealing with climate change, the types of changes that are required are so big, or it seems so big and so it's such a big fight that to try and tack anything else onto it seems like you're just you're just planning for for failure but at this point, and and, and I'll, I want you to comment on sort of your perspective on it, but at this point, I, I'm seeing more of this of people realizing that, no, 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 it's actually the other way around. The only way we can deal with these problems is if we deal with them wholly because they're all interrelated. Uh, but can you tell us a little bit more about that idea and about why where that sort of impetus to roll this uh, to all together comes from?
2: Yeah, well, you're right. It, this is kind of a, a new direction for the environment movement. It has been previously just environment groups that are – Uh, sometimes seen as radicals. or um, And now it's really about bringing everyone together because, like you said, this is a movement that requires everyone. If we want to make change, if we want global change, we need people across the globe in various different areas coming together um, for a justice-based transition to a green economy.
0: And so uh, what are some of the, um, the various groups? Because this the, this event is not uh, solely uh, at least a, a 350 event and certainly not just a Toronto 350 event. Let t- tell me about some of the other organizations and groups that are participating.
2: Yeah, so we have a lot of uh, social justice groups, environment groups, labor unions, Unifor is on board, um, a lot of indigenous groups that are frontline communities. It's really a huge coalition. It's the first time in Canada that we have such a diverse coalition. So it's it's really exciting.
0: And one of the things that, because I've been, um, you know, I've been reading, there was uh, uh, the story recently that was in the news about the Harper Pack thing that that's already been that, that's sort of been imploded. Uh, but the 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 idea was around, you know, to fight those. You know, I was reading the guy in his own words who started that. Um, uh, it's, you know to fight those damn unions and, and activist groups, and and that's how kind of how we're sort of, you know we're all grouped together was that it's sort of it's it's almost like slander by association. You just say a bunch of things and then you say activist and the word <laughs> the word activist and the word union, uh, and then now you've just successfully for a large part of the population of of you know uh, voting public anyway you've just slandered you know that by by associating those two things with it. And uh, but I mean, what's what's really sort of starting to become clear is that, okay, you can you can sort of use that as a slander if you wish. But when you group together uh, environment groups, social justice groups, unions, and then all the people that sort of fill in the cracks, you're now talking about a gigantic portion of this country. So, I mean, we're not talking about a few people on the sidelines here or a couple of unions who are who are just fighting for their own things, even if you want to be cynical and say that they're they're in for themselves at the same time. We now have a broad – and I'm going to hilariously borrow a term uh, here – coalition of the willing, if you will, uh, to take this challenge on. Um, so where what do you think has – where do you think has sort of um, – is hoping to sort of come from from this? Uh, and it's something I'm always really interested to hear because um, – I, I, for a long time, and I've, I've said this on the air before, was was highly questionable about the, the usefulness of, of a public action. So so for the folks that maybe are sitting at home and thinking, uh, I agree with all of what's being said, but I don't think that it serves my time well to come down because I'm not sure what the point is. What's your sales pitch for them?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, so firstly, just to comment on what you said on on bringing different groups together, part of it is changing that notion of, of neg- negative stereotypes, making it a positive thing, showing that the people are united and that we are ready for serious action on climate change right now. Um, so what the march is doing is is largely that, bringing people together and showing that we're not going to wait for our politicians to take this action because they've shown uh, that that's not going to happen. So we're really coming together and pressuring them to do that. This is a really important time for a march because, as you may know, this is um, right before the Pan American Climate Summit and Economic Summit. And then um, further along, we have an election in October. So this is a really important time for Canada to elect a government that is willing to make promises that it intends to keep and take strong action and go to the negotiations in Paris for COP21 and do something significant on climate.
0: And, and I think that's the really big key here. And, and, I, and I, li- I love the fact that the word jobs is in the title and whether we're talking about the event or even just sort of the because the, the event, the, the name of the event, the organism, and the sort of the entire aesthetic around the event is very sort of indicative of as you as you very accurately said just a moment ago, uh, of sort of an evolution in the sort of fight against um, these types of policies that, that we see as dangerous uh, uh, for, with regards to climate change and 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 others was that that's usually the counterpoint right a lot most of the time when you have someone saying yeah 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 you know whatever or you know you guys are just in it for you and blah blah, blah. any of the sort of the, the negative you know pushback against these sorts of uh, attempts um Generally, we'll say, "Well, that's all well and nice," um, you know, pat, a little condescending look and a pat on the head. But you know, real real adults need to have an economy, and you can't have a country without an economy. And and we've been saying it on this show forever. But I'm I'm thrilled to see that more and more we're seeing this as part of the actual discussion that's going on. Which is that the entire idea that the oil industry is better for the Canadian company is demonstrable nonsense. Uh, every single report that comes in says, you know, clean energy jobs uh, contribute three to one. Uh, towards the economy and tend to pay better uh, they have longer lifetime there's there's lower costs because we have a communal health care because those people who work in these jobs get sick less often and it costs us less money there really is no good argument for this um, and and so the thing that I the, and I'll get you to sort of uh, comment on this as well was just that the thing that I was thinking about um, uh, earlier was essentially what the argument is is somebody saying like, and, and we, were, we were talking about John Oliver right before we won an air. Mm-hmm. Um, but was the idea about uh, somebody like right before the internet's like about to kind of come out or it's just coming out, right? And that's sort of how we see, it, you know, the clean tech industry right now is is sort of like the internet in 1998, and it's like it's out, but people don't really understand the implications of it yet. And a lot of people are, you know, there's that dot com bubble thing, and so some people are, are, you know, rightly holding back a little bit, and that all makes sense. You know, so maybe it makes sense to maybe not dump all of your resources into renewable energy. I I disagree, but I think that's a reasonable position to take that, you know, you're cautious, you're going to be a little bit more cautious about uh, adopting this new technology. But it's very different to say I'm going to be cautious about adopting this new technology and I'm going to make an investment in 50 years worth of infrastructure in the old technology is just a lunatic position. Like I just I just don't understand. I don't
2: Yeah, no, I agree completely. <laughs> like you covered a lot of the points there. Yeah. I mean, one of our big messages with this march is that we want. want an economy that's good for people and the planet we're tired of people telling us that we have to choose between jobs and climate action and we believe that we don't have to choose if anything we can actually create thousands of more jobs by investing in renewable energy and this is actually an opportunity for canada to be a leader in climate action and i don't want to see us get left behind because the rest of the world is going to change and if we don't we're just going to get left behind
1: yeah, I just want to jump in on the, on the idea that we're uh, that just before the internet uh, thing because I, I think what's so interesting is you'll so often see uh, c- renewable energy companies get attacked when they fail. Mm. You know something like the, the 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 amount that Obama got hit for Cylindra is ridiculous given the actual massive success that like 89% of the like the, if you look at the actual numbers on that on the on, on how much money he gave and the, and the success rates were so high. You yeah. know, they had this one thing they should have showed out there. It's like um, saying you made 100 investments and one of them didn't make you money and go like you're a terrible investor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and, and and the entire industry that you're investing in is useless. Uh but at the same time, I I can't help but feel like if there was like if like, we could just get a renewable energy bubble. Because the <laughs> largest, like it or not, the, like, bubbles are obviously a concern and a, a problem for the economy, but they create infrastructure. Mm. You know, bubbles create infrastructure. You build. They, they, you, there's a whole bunch of money gets pumped into it. You have this massive build-out. Like, look at all of the companies. You know, for, for sure, maybe 85% of the weird internet startups in 1998 uh, failed. And yet, I guarantee a couple of them were Google, Amazon, like the, and and they're part of the reason why we have the infrastructure mm-hmm. we have now. Well, and and that's and that's the exact point.
0: Notice how despite the fact that there's a famous thing called the dot com bubble mm. and yet we still have the internet. In fact, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that it actually did take over the world just not at the specific like that year. Mm-hmm. It didn't. It didn't do. It had a hiccup. Yeah, exactly. But it still transformed the planet and the way that we live in and here, and that's identical to what's going on. And the and the thing that I love to point out for people as well is that look how many gains that solar uh, solar energy and all these renewable energies have been doing. This is meanwhile being held down like a like a bully is holding a little you know scrawny little nerd kid, aka me when I'm eight, uh, down into the dirt. And the kid still wins the race. You'd be like, yeah, but he only won by a little bit, and you know, and and this and that, and making all these excuses, and be like, okay, so, but yeah, but the bully's on steroids, and he was using all of his excess energy to hold this kid down, and the little kid still won.
1: And the had So to fight. imagine,
0: imagine what happened if it was a fair fight. The
1: internet had to fight big books. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> tough battle. Well, and 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 big. You know, this is scary new <laughs> stuff, and we don't like that uh, stuff as well. So. Um, uh, Amanda, I want you to come back and, and tell us a little bit about what the what the actual uh, event is going to look like. Let's walk people through uh, what the day is going to look like, what sort of planning is going on. Is there stuff beforehand that people can take part in?
2: Yeah, so the, the march is July 5th, which is a week Sunday, and we're going to be meeting in Queens Park at 1 o'clock, and there will be some speeches. Then we'll be marching down to Allen Gardens. And we're going to end with a really fun festival there. There will be different groups with tables, time to mingle. It'll be really family-friendly, a chance to learn about all the great local groups in Toronto. And even outside Toronto, they're doing really significant action here in the city and and outside the city. Um, There are also going to be events the preceding day across the country, different rallies and uh, like fredericton um, i believe edmonton might be one of them there uh, you can go to our website uh, 350.org slash july to find out more about that and if you want to find out more about the march in toronto you can go to jobsjusticeclimate.ca so yeah i mean i'm really hoping lots of people will come out to it it's going to be a really fun event and a great opportunity for people to come together and see that there are other people that care about these issues you're not alone And um, we're all here fighting for that common goal, that justice-based transition to a green economy.
3: Mm.
0: And and I think the the point to emphasize there, what you just said as well, is that, you know, the, the idea here is sort of a stand up and be counted thing. Uh, and, you know, not this, not not some sort of thing with, you know, people yelling and, and any sort of that sort of thing. Like this is, as you said, this is family friendly. It's really just mm-hmm. for people to come out and be counted and to, and to see and be seen by each other and, and really just to sort of emphasize how many people are on the same side here. And and, that, and that's something that, I mean, Stefan and I really talked about a little while ago as well, too, where it's just, you know, we, we sit in the studio here, we don't meet a lot of people, and then you'll go out into the world sometimes, like when we first started working at CSI. Mm. And, and just sort of how you feel about what you do and how empowered you feel when, you, when you're suddenly now – Interacting with all sorts of other people who are on the same page with you is powerful, mm.
1: and I think that's really the best sales pitch for for doing something like this is just to come out and meet some other like minded people. Yeah, for sure. And I also want to jump in on, on some and how you finish that uh, sentence because uh, I think that's also uh, a massively important and, and I think B perhaps the key to the victory is itself is that it's a justice based uh, approach. Uh, mm. In that it's 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 so for so long we've we one of the largest. Uh, ways that you see the green move get attacked all the time is that we're big green Al Gore flies jets all that sort of stuff Um, and and yet sort of to sort of highlight this no we this is this is we have to understand that indigenous land rights are our first and foremost issue Uh, poverty reduction has to be a massive part of this conversation Uh, jobs for people it needs to be it needs to be highlighted Uh, and then like I think that's the sort of the way forward and it's a different look if I just want to talk about that for half a second that would be amazing
2: Yeah, I mean, you covered a lot of it, but definitely it's a lot about solidarity and understanding that there are different groups that have different takes on this issue. And we're not all the same, but we are still united. Um, So, yeah, just coming together and solidarity, I think, is really the word that, that stands out the most to me.
4: No,
0: diversity is strength, I think, has been uh, a really useful model for quite some time. Or as one of my favorite anime put it, uh, over-specialization is weakness for any Ghost in the Shell fans out there. All right, we're going to go to a music break now. Uh, Amanda's actually going to stick around, I believe. uh, If she's able, she'll stick around uh, uh, through the end of the show. We're going to have a chat about some news stories, as we always do, at the end of the program. Uh, I also, just before we go to Jason, who's going to tell us what we're going to be listening to as well, want to shout out and thank all of the people who have been very, very good about um, following our request to send us both guest and music suggestions. Mm. Uh, we had a couple this week. Uh, in fact, we've had a, a music suggestion almost every week since I started making a point of doing that. Uh, and please do continue to do so. Mm. Um, so this uh, one of two music breaks today will be supplied uh, by a listener. And the only reason we're not doing both the ones they suggested was uh, live music fans. Uh, uh, unfortunately, live music recordings do not play well on the radio. So sorry. If you're going to send us a Canadian song, please mm. send us the, uh, the album version uh, that being uh, said, please continue to send that in greenmajority.ca, where you can also get links to uh, the uh, march and the appropriate Toronto 350 page. And other than that, Jason.
1: Uh, yeah, we're going to go to a, a request first, and it's by a band called Rough Trade, and their song called "What's the Fur About the Fur." <laughs>
0: And we are back. You're listening to the Green Majority here at CIUT 89.5. Uh, Stefan is going to give us a quick
1: update on um, ongoing campaign. Yeah, so uh, we've at, we've our survey went. Uh, we've got some people actually responding to the survey now.
3: So we've, uh,
1: we sent out a survey asking for sort of some feedback on the show mm-hmm. uh, because again we are always interested in getting. Uh, better in any way we can and also just sort of serving what kind of show you even want you know it's mm. not necessarily like do you want us to have 17 guests and we just fire through the mall or do you want us, us to dive deeper and talk about one thing mm-hmm. uh these are all different things or do you want us to try everything and see what stefan and i could actually just tell
0: environmentally themed jokes for an hour each that's week. true yeah like you don't don't tempt us no we can do it
1: yes and they'll <laughs> be bad by about well the second joke so <laughs> the next set of jokes after that would be get very very terrible yeah um Although there's a I I have a great one about berries. But mm. it's, so if you want the berries, is it still in development, or, or uh, is this is this a Blue Magnum thing? Uh, no, blue it's a, steel. I stole it from a stole it from a cartoon about how what actually is a berry, and what isn't a berry. You know, watermelons are berries. Huh. And strawberries are not berries. It's a very weird world in Berry Club. <laughs> Uh but we yeah, re- so there's more workshop in
3: Exactly. Um,
1: um but uh but yeah, so the so the other fun thing about being uh about the survey is that it's a chance also to win a free t-shirt, because mm-hmm. we actually have t-shirts now. Uh, with a great that's in the scare quotes they're they're gonna be printed by mid next week okay. they, they exist they exist they're
0: just not in my uh, in my hands
1: okay All right. well we have t-shirts now in theory um, <laughs> and and we've paid for them so there, there we,
0: will certainly at some point be there's no
1: question about whether or not at some point there will be t-shirts okay that's good that's good uh, so the future t-shirt uh, which to very how often do you get to win something that doesn't exist right now that's that's your ability right now is to win something that currently doesn't exist but will exist by the time you win it uh, which is the off the t-shirt with a with a with a great little, the uh, says it? the, the philosophy Earth. student. It's the Earth, yeah, exactly. Um, it's a it's an Earth uh, human with a baseball bat, an uh, Earth human. from our first climate change uh, video cartoon. Yeah. So anyone who saw it right now is nodding furiously, and anyone who didn't,
0: really, well, you're just missing out. You really yeah. should just go to the website and watch the cartoon. It's two minutes, exactly. and you will then have context
1: for this shirt. Exactly, uh, and then and then this shirt also uh, brings up a point that we often bring up here, which is that while. The, the, the comment always seems to be that you have to save the earth uh, in reality the earth is probably the earth has lived in much weirder times than we could even possibly create uh enter to exhibit a the uh the rant from jurassic park from uh, ian malcolm about the life will find a way yes it's us that's in trouble but yes don't
0: you worry <laughs> life will find a way
1: exactly uh and that's and that's that's the whole point of the shirt really is that uh, earth's fine are we uh, and, then the, and then, of course, the other way to get that survey is, in part, to join our mailing list mm-hmm. uh, because our, you, get, you get fun little emails from us from time to time, which mm-hmm. basically gives you updates of what we're doing and links to all our cartoons
0: yeah so it's, it's, it's basically it's, it's like uh, the public newsletter there's another one uh, that we have uh, for people uh, who are involved with the cartoon um, but uh, the, basically the public one is we just I just link and summarize each of the shows there's maybe a, maybe a paragraph of, of verbal update on stuff that's going on and then just basically links to everything that we've done that month so it's a great way to stay involved uh, I'm also going to be uh, adding a survey button to the website at some point I've just been slammed <laughs> so uh, that's all about that. If you're interested in any of that stuff, or if you want to just check out what the heck we're talking about, GreenMajority.ca is the place to do for that. But I understand that we now currently have Maggie McDonald on the phone. Are you there, Maggie?
4: Good morning.
0: Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it.
4: Thanks for having me.
0: So we have spoken to uh, uh, Environmental Defense, definitely, and I'm I'm thinking that we might have even spoken to you before about toxins. You guys had the the cosmetics uh, report that came out a little while ago. Uh, There's been a lot of good work uh, on that file, and you are the person to be talking about. You're the Toxic Program Coordinator for Environmental Defense. There was something that I found very interesting about this one, though, which was that I was surprised. I, I actually did, and and I, I'll I'll be totally honest here, full disclosure. I don't always read everything I I could before an interview, mm-hmm. and that's simply because we're pressed for time. Okay. This morning I made time, and I read the entire point, including the, even the references. I read every word of this report. Uh, a because it was easy to read and fascinating. So I'll just give it the recommendation of this is this is don't be scared off by the word report. It's a good. It's a very interesting read. It's very very well summarized. So folks should really check it out. I will have a link on the website. But the first thing I want to ask you about was really the thing that surprised me the most, which was even. When you were just talking about your methodology, which was, and and I mentioned on the show earlier, I was hoping you will clarify for me, is either the first in Canada or the first anywhere study of these types of chemicals actually in the environments that we use them.
4: Well, we know it's the first of its kind in Canada, uh, and from our scan we couldn't find any other research of this nature anywhere else, uh, but it is possible it's happened and, uh, and we just didn't come across it. But it's the first research of this nature that we know about, uh, and we know that as recently as 2014, researchers in Denmark were actually saying that this type of project should be undertaken.
0: So I think this is a case of where a lot of people are just sort of surprised um, because I think a lot of a a lot of people just sort of assume or, you know, it's not even something that crosses your mind that, you know, products that are on on shelves have gone through some sort of process and that they're safe. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about the learning process you guys went through about, you know, um, there were some like some examples of like very small type saying that this product shouldn't be used at full strength, even though it was in a spritzer bottle and stuff like that. Can you just get into some of that?
4: Yeah, well, we found uh, we found numerous things that were really intriguing to us and were concerned from an environmental and human health perspective. There were studies conducted in California by scientists in a lab a couple of years ago that looked at how chemicals and cleaning products can then have reactions with other chemicals present in indoor air, such as ground-level ozone, which is a component of smog. So let's say it's a smoggy day and you're doing your cleaning and you're using a heavily fragranced product, uh, certain uh, VOCs that are fragrance-related might be actually interacting with that smog to create formaldehyde. Now, we know that that's a possibility from laboratory studies, uh, but when we're actually cleaning in the home, are we behaving differently? Are we putting out uh, a different amount of the the chemical than might be done in a lab study? So we thought it would be really interesting to look at the real-world case of cleaning. And uh, and we found some really intriguing things. Now, before we even started the air quality test, we had a pump from a lab called Cassin where we collected air samples. But before we even started the pump, we noticed numerous problems with how products are labeled. So we found that, for instance, some products, that, uh, you mentioned the spray bottle product, in very fine print, it recommends it should be diluted. But I think most people pick up a spray bottle and they think, well, use it as its package. It's a spray bottle. But some of these chemicals can be very strong. And if you don't dilute uh, according to instructions, it might be more harmful to you. There are also warnings about immediate hazards, like uh, maybe it will irritate your skin or your eyes and what to do if it gets in your eyes or on your skin. But there aren't chronic hazards about long-term uh, hazards associated with some of these chemicals. Um uh, some VOCs that are in cleaning products are linked to asthma and other health problems. VOCs are a group of numerous pollutants. Uh, They are volatile organic compounds and that's organic in the chemist sense meaning it's carbon based not in the sense of organic fruits and vegetables Uh, but but, uh, these VOCs they evaporate at room temperature and so of course we get exposed uh, in terms of uh, when we breathe we're breathing these chemicals in.
0: So one of the uh, things that really shocked me too was we had uh, 14 volunteers uh, that participated in in your study, and in each one of them, one of the aspects that that again it was something that I'd I'd heard come up, but I think a lot of people don't even think about was that you measured the pre-test. Uh, uh, air quality mm-hmm. beforehand to get a baseline for each of your volunteers, because this wasn't done in a traditional, you know, double blind laboratory condition. And it was supposed to be a, a sort of a real world test. And, and the first thing that caught my eye was, was I mean, we'll get into the chemicals themselves, but the, the amount of variability of just the ambient
4: mm-hmm. was incredible. Mm-hmm. It's huge. I mean, not, uh, some people live in apartments. Some people live in houses. Some people live in trailers. And depending on what your living situation is, your indoor air is going to have a different amount of uh, chemicals already present in the air. So some people might be living uh, in a house that's newly renovated with uh, vinyl flooring. Then they might have uh, indoor air pollution that's much higher than someone who lives in a house that's very old with hardwood floors. As well, your level of ventilation can affect your indoor air quite a great deal, whether you're cleaning or whether you're not. Uh, some people don't have adequate ventilation in their homes. Uh, some people have fans that don't exhaust outside. So ventilation is really important as well as building materials. Now, when you add cleaning products to that in addition, well, that creates a whole other uh, layer of, uh, of uh, chemistry in your indoor environment.
0: And so uh, looking here, and again, again, I'll I'll just have to encourage people to go and actually look at the report. There's a bunch of very easy to understand. You guys have done a really excellent job summarizing this information. Um, So I just want to refer to it really briefly. We'll we'll try not to refer to things people won't have in front of them, but I really encourage people to go and look at it. Uh, So I'm looking here again at the the total VOC levels by volunteer. It's a very easy to see graph. And what it has is the ambient uh, VOC level in the house before you do your test. And then, you know, depending on whether they were using a conventional product, you guys compared conventional, green certified, and Uncertified green or unverified green as three different categories, and, and each volunteer used only one of those things. And the first thing that really jumps out at me about this, once I sort of uh, once we got over the ambient the variability in the ambient level before we even added any chemicals to the situation, you know, just off gassing from other products okay. uh, or in the air or anything else, uh, was that there are several people here who were in the red category, the category with using conventional cleaning products, who had a relatively low or moderate low compared to the the average uh, ambient level. And their contribution after using a conventional product put them—you know—they were maybe half of what the uh, the measurement you were using as the approximate sort of "quote unquote" safe level. They were well below and then using the conventional product them, shot them way over the line. And so when people say, you know, well, how much safer is really using a green product? Well, even on your 14 people here, there's I'm going to just say it visually. There's at least four people who could have stayed below, well below the safe limit had they used a green product that now exceeded it by it by almost double or 150 by percent by using a regular product. So it really does matter.
4: Yeah, it does matter what you use, um, how you use things matter. So whether you're ventilating your kitchen when you're cleaning Uh, Whether you have a window open or not, that makes a difference. Uh, So how you use it is very important. But then again, what you use as well. Now, if you want a really low VOC option, you can make your own cleaning products and also save money by using vinegar or baking soda. And at environmentaldefense.ca forward slash dirty truth, we have some tips and guides for how to uh, clean your home safely and also DIY solutions that will save you a lot of money. Um, But if you you are using store-bought products, it's really good to check out the labels beforehand. Um, There's products that claim to be green, but then they don't tell you what's in the product. They won't say what their ingredients are. So how do you know what's really going on there? And then there's products that are certified green, meaning they participate in some kind of, uh, some form of eco-certification process from an outside body. So there's several brands that do that and they fully disclose their ingredients so you can actually find out what's inside because there isn't just the question of whether something is environmentally friendly. It's also, do you have allergies? Uh, Will this trigger your asthma? So it's important to know what's in a product, and very few companies will tell you that. So it's important what you use uh, and how you use it. Uh, The secret to having healthy indoor air is a combination of these things.
0: And so let's talk about one other aspect, which is something that comes up a lot of the time when we're talking about, um, you know, shopping green or, or the idea of, you know, voting for your dollars or by, you know, by improving your own health by, by choosing green options, which is uh, always brought up, which is completely valid, um, which is that a lot of people, you know, can't afford to, to take the green uh, option. When we're talking about cleaning, cleaning products, do, do you think this is a real issue? Do the green products tend to be more significantly more expensive, that this would be a barrier for people to make safe choices?
4: Well, there's a real mix. Uh, not all green products are more expensive. Uh, some have a very similar price point to the non-green products. Uh, so it's It's hard to say offhand. I think it goes brand by brand. But really, I always say in the interest of fairness, because it shouldn't be completely about uh, changing what companies do, I think it's really important that companies clean up their act in terms of product ingredients. But in the interest of fairness, we really need to be focusing on regulatory change so that if there's harmful chemicals that they are restricted or banned in products, so whether you have a couple bucks to spend or whether you have an infinite budget, it's, it doesn't change how safe you're going to be when you take products home from the store. Uh, the federal government said a few years ago in, in 2013, they published a consultation document about VOCs. So this is the group of chemicals we were testing for in uh, indoor air when people were cleaning. Uh, some VOCs, highly toxic. Uh, some not as much, but VOCs are definitely something you want to look at when it comes to indoor air quality. So Health Canada, sorry, Environment Canada published a consultation document proposing to regulate the amount of VOCs in products, including cleaning products, and they said that these uh, proposed regulations would be published in 2014. So fast forward to 2015, and they haven't been published yet. So we've been promised action that would be across the board that would help uh, anyone, no matter what their budget is, but it just hasn't happened yet. So we're waiting, and we're really hoping the federal government will publish those regulations
0: so I think a, a lot of the people, I think what they think about this again, I was of coming back to my earlier thing. I, I think a lot of people think about this, about, you know, there's, there's a certain amount of protection in place and environment groups want to up that bar, but you know, I'm not particularly, I, I haven't seen any immediate negative thing to my health. So they're probably overreacting or something like that. The reality is, is that a lot of the time companies simply put out products and invent new chemicals and new compounds all the time. And we're endlessly mixing these endless new lists of new chemicals that are endlessly creating new combinations. It's, it's a, when you're talking about toxins and especially chemicals from consumer products, this is a really hard game of catch-up you guys are playing. Can you talk a little bit about, about that, about just the role of sort of companies developing these things all the time, and then you guys kind of have to run to catch up to, to to find out what's going on and what they're actually putting in uh, on store shelves?
4: Well, there's two things. There's uh, New chemicals are being introduced into the marketplace all the time. Uh, and there's also new research that's happening on old chemicals as well as new chemicals where scientists are developing new approaches that tell us new things about risks associated with uh, chemicals in the marketplace. Now, we don't want to spread the message that all chemicals are bad. Obviously not. Uh, I've seen these posters that think they're making fun of environmentalists by saying that, oh, chemicals aren't bad. We would never say that. Uh, but some chemicals are definitely bad for you. I mean, some chemicals cause cancer. Some chemicals can affect your hormonal system. So let's take a closer look at reducing our exposure to those chemicals and making sure that new chemicals introduced to the marketplace really endure some scientific scrutiny for their health and environmental effects before they're everywhere. So uh, we have a a double-edged problem there. Now, under the chemicals management plan, there is work being done to uh, do research into the safety of chemicals as well as assess um, whether new activities pose new threats with chemicals. But we do find that uh, there are loopholes and things get around them all the time. In terms of new research that's been highlighted, we've also seen that um, it's not just whether chemical A or chemical B might affect human health, but mixtures of chemicals can also uh, affect human health as well. There was a recent study that just came out a couple of days ago. It was in the news that looked at um, uh, combinations of chemicals uh, when those chemicals are not harmful on their own, but when they're combined, then they can uh, pose an increased risk of cancer. So that's new research that came out uh, just this week uh, from the Halifax group, a, a research group, uh, and this was published on CTV News. So it's worth looking into um, mixtures of chemicals, not just chemicals of their on their own. But, of course, we need a generally more precautionary approach when it comes to innovation, that's great. You want to introduce a new chemical, fabulous, but make sure that it's properly scrutinized for its health effects before it goes into the marketplace
0: all right and so uh, again we're speaking to maggie mcdonald who's the toxic program coordinator from environmental Defense. If you're just tuning in uh maggie one of the other things that jumped out at me a little bit uh as well when you were doing this and, and i'm sort of teasing here a little bit but um i mean you had 14 volunteers who were you know were doing uh, exposure tests to various chemicals and stuff did it did any point you feel like kind of bad about like you know <laughs> making somebody use these chemicals that you were almost certain were, were bad for them but, but i mean at the same point it's silly to say that because these are products people use every day but i, I don't know how did you feel about
4: that well we asked people not to expose themselves to something new and unknown but to use the most popular cleaning products in canada the way that they would clean on any given day mm-hmm. so for most people they were using stuff that they might already use uh so the real change uh, the real thing they were subjecting uh we were subjecting them to is the inviting uh strangers into their home to do the scientific test because often people were cleaning with real products that they would normally use uh, but they're finding out something new about how unsafe those products are
0: and so what sort of uh what sort of things can be done I, mean, I I realize you were talking about you know we need to increase uh some of the regulations around the labeling and these types of things But sort of, what does that look like from a sort of a a lobbying perspective, if you will? Like, how how do we actually uh, get uh, governments to catch up? Is it uh, simply a matter of you know we we need to label everything and then hope that people uh, and then hope that we put out enough information about these chemicals that people are able to make their own informed decisions about it? Or what does sort of the best case scenario look like for you on this?
4: We need improved product labeling, but we also need products. Change, And we need products to change, not just because companies want to do the right thing and show leadership. We also want government to step up and uh, make sure that everyone will be equally protected. And it's not just a matter of some green products are safer. Uh, So we have a petition on our website for uh, improved product labeling. And we also have a petition on our website to make sure that the federal government finally publishes those VOC regulations to make products safer.
0: All right. Uh and the very last thing I want to uh, ask you as well Maggie was what it, what was the sort of um the, the biggest takeaway as far as – I know you had a, a number of people there and, and, uh, and that many of those folks um, had a variety of like living conditions. Is, is there any advice you, you can give to anybody who maybe they're listening at home right now and they, and they just heard the discussion and, and, and maybe they're halfway on their way to their cupboard already to throw out some cleaning products? But the big part of what we were talking about there was that a big part of this is that it's what you use in combination with what's already in your home. Is there anything you can – any advice you can give to people or any resources people can do to maybe go? Is there places where people can go and have their indoor air quality Professionally checked or, or anything like that.
4: Well, it is tricky to get your indoor air quality tested. We we worked with a lab very closely, and it was um, it was a, a big project for us. Uh, but what you can do to improve your indoor air quality is open up a window, turn on the fan if your fan exhausts outdoors. Uh, if you're going to do your cleaning, but, you know, and be careful of smog days. You know that that can have an impact on your indoor air quality too. But we spend about ninety percent of our time indoors in Canada, and so. Uh, Indoor air quality is just huge. So please be careful to ventilate your home when you're doing your cleaning. Turn those exhaust fans on. And keep children out of the room when you're cleaning because children are more sensitive to chemical exposures than adults are. Mm.
0: All very good advice. Thank you so much, uh, uh, again, uh, Maggie McDonald, Toxic Program Manager for Environmental Defense. We really appreciate your time.
4: Thanks for your interest in the issue.
0: Thank you. All right, so we're going to go to our uh, music break here. You're listening to the Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM on the website, off SoundCloud, iTunes, Community Partner Stations, and now on Mars Radio Channel 3 Million. Uh, We're going to go to uh, Jason, who's going to tell us what, uh, what are we going to listen to now.
1: We're going to hear a tune from a band called
5: Good Bad Kid. They just released a new album here in Toronto, and this is a song off that called The Reeds and the Rushes.
0: you're listening to the green majority some good old canadian music there if you want to suggest your own topic or uh music canadian music song to be played on the air you may do so at uh, either tweet us at green majority or the best way to do that is just to go to the website use the contact us form uh because then you'll be bombarded with suggestions that you also watch climate cartoons which Mm. is uh just all around a great idea (laughs) Uh, i think possibly the 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 most useful thing you will do today Mm. um Besides maybe uh, partaking in pride, happy pride as well, Stephen. Yes, thank you. Uh, So you're going to lead us a little bit in some news items here, and one of them kind of made me laugh, and then after it made me laugh for like a second, it made me think really hard. But that's about that's we'll tease. That's about the rhino horn. We'll get to that in a minute. What uh, what else is in the news this week, Stephen?
1: Uh, Well, I think the big one that everyone's talking about uh, has to be that the uh, the Dutch court ordering the government to uh, cut greenhouse gas emissions by at least twenty five percent by twenty twenty. Uh, which is such an it was interesting about this case is that it was brought by 900 uh, Dutch citizens um, who sue, basically used tort law uh, to demand their government take action on, on climate change. Uh, and, and it, it was – partially this has to do with the fact that the Dutch are in a very specific, interesting position in regards to climate change, which is that they are both rich and also in dramatic uh, – they're, they're they have the chance to be dramatically infected soon sooner rather than later by climate change and i just want to jump in here because i actually I, I i had to look it up while you were talking
0: mm. uh for those of you who are interested tort is uh, uh according to wikipedia I'll just full disclosure here mm-hmm. a tort is a common law jurisdiction in a civil wrong that unfairly causes someone else to suffer loss or harm resulting in legal liability for the person who commits the tortoise act oh. Uh, so again that's wikipedia's deficient mm-hmm. uh definition but uh, uh, the key thing there is that this is a civil claim of uh, basically it's a, a suit over uh, cause of harm yeah. essentially is the thing there um which is both obvious mm-hmm. uh
1: and shocking at the same time what well, exactly And i think the the biggest thing again is part of the thing about about the about the dutch specifically is that they are very very low lying they already have, like, the, you know, there's a whole story of, you know, the, of the fact that they have these massive walls to keep the sea back mm. uh, already the you closest know, the closest real world water world city in existence exactly and, and and this is before you know we see the massive expected like at some point perhaps people will be start going there to see what they're doing you know if new york if new york gets another hurricane they mm-hmm. might go there to see what they're doing as a way to protect themselves in the same sort of way because you're looking at what they they and it could end up being an actual some you know with water rising around the world they may actually end up being a sadly uh a uh an example of how to create a city that should be underwater yeah <laughs> or a country that should be underwater.
0: maybe they'll rename it atlantis at some point well no because it's what's well, anyway it's yeah uh, yeah but they but i i remember from one of my classes they they were bringing up how uh um in that region there were uh, i don't know how extensive this is or if this was just a novelty or if this was something that was that was being done on a wide scale my understanding from memory so mm. take that as it will as you will um was that this was common Um, Mm. but houses to have moorings and actually be docked such that as water level risen they could actually decouple so essentially their house was in like a little inlet and then it just sort of locked in to sort of lined up but on all on three or four sides Mm. so it'd be like a waterfront property but you could unhook it and actually float the entire house down the river if necessary or just simply allow it to rise as sea level rose Mm.
1: which just seems bonkers but this is like a thing yeah well and it was crazy it was when we look at some of the. there's a great map uh, then uh, it's not on the BBC article article I 'm looking at right now so i can't exactly see where it is but we looking at what uh five what three meter re- rise would do to the Netherlands and a six meter rise would do to the Netherlands even a three meter rise it's cover water is basically covering that entire country hmm. uh and I think it was, so 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 often we talk about and it's because it's true that the that the the poor nations are the ones that are really the ones that nations that haven't sort of created a lot of uh, greenhouse gases are the ones that are most at risk and yet here's an example of an of, of a country that actually is both really at risk and really also creating a lot of climate change uh, creating a lot of greenhouse gas emissions and so it's one of the very few places that where where their their self preservation and their actual c- cause of the problem is much higher you mm-hmm. know then again they're still i have a much cleaner economy than than we here in Canada do. So it's it's, it's you can't get so mad at them. You, mm. you go through the Netherlands, you see you know they they are they are their renewable energy industry is far more developed than we are here. Mm. You know go back to go back to our, our conversation with Amanda earlier about just the the need for Canada to not be left behind on the green economy. You go through the Netherlands and you're like oh man this is what actually pl- living in a place that is sort of taking t- climate change seriously looks.
5: Liberal like. wasteland. Yes,
1: exactly. Filled with those disgusting disgusting windmills. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, I'm sure everybody there just constantly has headaches because
1: yeah. uh, oh, wait, that's
0: nonsense. Okay, right. I forgot about that. So, moving on uh, a little bit. Oh no, well, sort of. The last thing I wanted to say about that was um, was of course, and this is somewhat of a joke question, mm-hmm. but uh, likelihood this will happen in Canada? Yeah. Uh, well,
1: <laughs> that's the, the well. Interesting. Again, that goes back to the, what the, the uniqueness of the Netherlands, right? Is that mm-hmm. it's harder to claim it's it's harder to make the case that you know that Toronto is at massive risk. Uh, than, Not impossible by any means. Oh. No, no, no way. Well, the whole world is obviously at risk. But it's, it's, it's interesting that that's part of the uni- uni- uniqueness of, of, mm-hmm. their, of the location. Although there is there are a bunch of other very, very similar suits now going on across the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it will be interesting to see if this is a, yet another wedge to sort of drive – to try to push this massive, massive boulder of inaction a little bit forward. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're,
0: we're going to get to the rhino horn in just a minute. I just wanted to uh, I'll also mention briefly before we get to that story, um, the Bloomberg business. Somebody sent this to us uh, here. Um, and it's not really shocking, the information here. It's uh, essentially information that we've known for quite some time. Mm. What's What's interesting is, A, uh, wh- who did it? Mm. Bloomberg uh, business. Uh, I'm more and more evidence. Really, the only story here is more and more evidence of the just – absurdity the absolutely undeniability of this issue that even traditionally conservative sources but conservative sources or right-wing sources uh that have some degree of um shame <laughs> or respectability let's go with that mm-hmm. I, i'm sorry i was really struggling for the right word there that i want and i don't think i found it but just some you know, standards, right? Like reasonable people that are, that are being honest, uh, they just have a different point of view, right? Mm-hmm. All of them at this point are going like, okay, come on like really this is beyond obvious and beyond provable so it was interesting that they did it but what impressed me more and just a quick comment from from you on this would was that they didn't just come out and say you know this is a real issue we agree blah blah we need to talk about this more they went and developed an actually really interesting series of of graphs and visualizations and it clears to be clearly seems to be targeted at their audience um they didn't just sort of jump on the bandwagon of talking about this they seem to have really put out a concerted effort here to really change the discussion in certain segments of the population where this discussion has not had as much Traction.
1: well yeah the the, gra- the the graphs are actually quite remarkable mm-hmm. uh, just sort of what to, to explain what they've done they've gone through all of the possible sources of what could be causing climate change and then sort of graphed what the impact actually is and what the impact isn't it, it, and, and what it, to comparing that to the warming so like right. here's warming here's what the impact of this thing would be here's the right. of what this thing would be uh, and they go through all of the sort of arguments for all the different things that could be causing causing climate change uh, and it's like at the very end it's like and this is what how greenhouse gas tracks and it's, yeah. you know, it, it's like oh right that's <laughs> did we forget to add
0: it. the other line oh wait no because it's the line uh yeah actually i'm at that now so anyway really worth looking at i'll put that on the website as well again i'm sure nobody listening to the show here needs to be convinced that climate change is real but it might help you actually talk about it to some people and and maybe maybe it'll be a good resource for you know if you're speaking to someone there who you know maybe is is willing to have a discussion about it but needs more information i, I think this is an excellent resource and i'd li- mm. we would like to officially commend bloomberg business mm. news because um, sure i so sure they'll
1: tweet their thanks to us. It's I'm like, sure they will. Um, You're welcome, Bloomberg. We've made you.
0: Yeah. Uh, y- you know, you know don't, sp- don't spend all your money in one place. <laughs> um, so we've got about five minutes left. So anyway, just a, a kudos to them. The Green Majority thumbs up to Bloomberg this week on this one thing <laughs> yes. and nothing else. We're giving
1: them the, the, the Green Majority bump. The Green Majority bump. that's what Bloomberg news is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> five minutes left. Let's talk Rhino Horn. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is a story that is just interesting. Uh, and it's it, it's a new – it's a – Whenever anyone argues that, like, humans are so in, in, ingenious and we always find an ingenious solution to the problems, you, you know, you're, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. You also have to do other things. And yet sometimes there's a thing where it's like, huh, okay. Uh, and so what this is is a, a conservation – labeled conservation tech. And basically a biotechnology company uh, is planning on producing fake rhino horns that are indistinguishable from real ones. Uh, for one eighth of the cost. Mm. And the goal is to basically flood the rhino horn market with dramatically cheaper uh, options of, 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 of rhino horn mm. uh, to thereby basically make the expensive quote, quote real version, which are from poached rhinos, no longer economically viable. And so
0: it, I, w- I want to throw in I want to throw in the counter argument here And then uh, uh, Amanda stuck around and joined us here But she had absolutely zero warning until like, She's listening live as to what we were going to talk about <laughs> So she understandably you know, uh, uh, Was not in any way prepared to talk about any, about any of this But I'm going to read So that's the argument I'm going right. to read uh, as this article that that I was alerted to Summary of the counter argument uh, And then we're going to go at least to, to all of us Including Amanda for at least a, an off the cuff From what you know now You know, Which way would you vote on this So uh, so the, the counter argument and, and I'm reading this directly off the article Selling synthetic corn does not reduce the demand for rhino horn and could lean to more poaching because it increases the demand for the quote-unquote real thing. In addition, production of synthetic corn encourages its purported medicinal value, even though science does not support any of these medical benefits." So I'm not sure that I buy that. But why don't we go around the table? Amanda, just based on only what you've heard just now, first blush, <laughs> what, what are, where are you leaning either way? Do you think that, that the, the sort of the market angle will flood the market, drive the price down and, and essentially the market will solve this problem if we just tinker with it? Or or do you think that we just need to, to stick to sort of preventing the illegal activity?
2: It's a really interesting question. Um, yeah, I mean, from what I've heard, it seems like both arguments have some fair points it's really unfortunate that we have to have this kind of solution anyway, for starters. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think I would need to hear a bit more about it before I made my decision on yeah,
0: that. Yeah, okay. Can, can I, <laughs> and, and I realize, yeah, you don't want to be on the record being, uh, coming down on something without a ton of information. Mm-hmm. Are you leaning 51? Can I get a vote as far as tempor- tentatively oh, leaning boy. in a direction here?
2: Um, I, I'm going to force
0: you into positioning. <laughs>
2: I guess I'm going to lean on the side of caution then and say no.
0: No, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm in agreement with you. So we've got two leaning no's. But oh, Stefan, are you going? Are you going pro three D printing?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm going to go pro three D printing. All I right. think there's uh, it's another tool. I think it's another tool, tool belt. We've watched people try to stop poaching in every other way possible. Mm. Uh, you know, it, it, at this point in time, is it going? The, the, the economic situation of why people poach isn't isn't going to change right now. Is, you know, like, we, aren't, we don't, don't have that ability. Like, sh- if this biotech firm, maybe you should biotech firm should go and start employing the people who are currently poachers to help 3D print these things. Hmm. Uh, but that's, you know, that's probably not going to happen. But the economic reality isn't going to change anytime soon. We, we've, they've tried so many times to, to change that. They've done all this stuff protection. It's not like they're going to stop protecting rhinos and presume this is going to work. Hmm. This is a sort of a different entire thing. Um, I would be blown away if more people are convinced to try rhino horn, if it's <laughs> uh, if it's synthetic, uh, and so I think it's another tool in the tool belt. I don't think I don't, I, I don't think it's going to. You should, our goal should not be to stop all poaching by synthetically creating everything you might poach and then just flooding every market with everything. Uh, but as far as a tool in the tool belt goes, I'll give it a I'll, I, I will I'll give it a cautious thumbs up.
0: All right, we're basically out of time here. Uh, I will have to leave my reason for it. I actually have a very peculiar reason for being against it. Mm. You will have to wait and find out on the bonus show oh. what I think about that because we're out of time. Greenmajority.ca is the place you can find out where you can get an access to the bonus show. Learn about the survey and all the t-shirts. But other than that, we are flush out of time, folks. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening. To the Greedy Majority Radio program here on CIUT 89.5 FM. We'll see you all real soon.